What's going on, everybody? Uh, coming to you with episode one of House Call College Football Talk with me, uh, co-host Isaiah Page with Tony Jenkins. Um, and here, you know, we got like I said, this is episode one, the start of a of a new journey. So we appreciate y'all for coming on. It is what is it, week eight, week nine of of the college football season? Hey, we um, have first week of the college football playoff ranking, so we're here to see it. Got a uh, we've got a couple couple takes for you. Week ten, actually. Jeez. Only four um, more weeks left. Only four more weeks left. Regular season, man. That is crazy. It's, I mean, I feel like the season just kicked off a couple weeks ago. Tell um, you, but yeah. So you know, we got a couple topics on on hand for you. Um, for to, to kick off the show, we wanted to talk about Dabo and um this, <laughs> this rant uh, that he just had over the weekend with Tyler from Spartanburg. Um, we got we got some things to say about that for sure. So, um, and then we'll get into some of our initial college football playoff rankings. Um, you know, reaction if they matter, do they matter? How important? Yeah. Um, about it. Then we'll talk about Michigan a little bit. I mean, not too much to add there. Uh, kind of you know, seems everything seems pretty pretty cut and dry. But you know, we'll have to hold official judgments until everything comes down or anything's official. But uh, we will touch on them, and then we got some big game predictions for y'all. Big week this week, five ranked matchups. So um, predicting all five of those, and then we've got uh, Clemson and Notre Dame as well on your bucket. So um, starting off with Dabo and Tyler from Spartanburg, catch everybody up. Um, for those of you that, you know, have better things to do than spend all your time on Twitter looking at college football content, um, you know, a video. So Dabo was doing a coach, one of his, you know, weekly radio shows. Um, and he was doing live and they were taking callers. And there was a caller, and whose name is Tyler from Spartanburg, sorry, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Shout out Spartanburg, South Carolina. Diehard um, fan of Tyler brought to the table a lot of very, very deep diving takes, man. Exactly. So, um, so Tyler. Essentially, the gist of his whole of his whole spiel was he wanted Dabo. He asked Dabo on live in front of his live audience, in front of the listening audience. He asked Dabo to justify his eleven. What is eleven point five million dollars a year? Is that what he gets paid? Yeah, he he dove into Dabo's pockets um, <laughs> on the radio. Man, that scouting report was nasty, man. <laughs> He had it teed up for Dabo and um and I mean to a point I guess I can respect the fandom aspect of it. It, of it takes a lot. It takes a lot to call call in and um you you know like he never turned back either. Like he <laughs> he had a lot to say and he was gonna get it off. I'm really surprised Dabo let him go for two minutes. Really, and I, like you say, I'm a, I respect Tyler from Spartanburg because the way he comes on the show, it's like if he see if he seen Dabo in real life, he would definitely say the same stuff that Dabo's face. Like this is something that he has been waiting to say for a while. He had an in-depth, uh, pinpointed list of what he wanted to ask him about, and um, like we saying. He questioned Dabo's salary, and that's where Dabo drew the line. Like he sat up, took his glasses off, like, "Wait, what? What's this guy's name? Um, who is this guy questioning me?" Dabo really got offended, called him a kid. Said, "I'm not about to listen to a kid tell me about my job, <laughs> man." Um, but 
like we're saying from a fan's perspective who really cares about the program and is just really interested to see where the success is going. Tyler got on Dabo bad, man. <laughs> I mean, he was on him. Like he, I mean, and he brought up a bunch of good points, right? He brought up he brought up Dabo pretty much being the main reason why we'll argue this from the fans' perspective first before we get into Dabo. This isn't just yeah. for our, any Clemson fans on here. We're not just gonna be giving it to Dabo the entire promise. Um we got our own Dabo perspective, but the, to argue from the fans. He has he has a very very real point, and Dabo's that Dabo is the main reason why the why the program is, has fallen from you know its grace, um that that you know that dominant stretch that they went on that dominant run that they went on they, that that is not Clemson anymore, and it's because of Dabo like he is the sole reason. I mean there are a couple other external factors. Of course you don't have a Deshaun Watson, you don't have a Trevor Lawrence. Like yeah that's going to go into it, but they don't have a Deshaun Watson or a Trevor Lawrence. One, because they are generational talents, but two, because Dabo hasn't tried to replace. Yes. Okay. I mean, Klubnik was a five-star quarterback, but whatever. Um, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, it's been a lot of speculation about Dabo and his approach to the modern era of college football, which is the transfer portal. And, um, you know, the NIL era where now you hate to say it, but kids get paid to even take visits to colleges. But when it comes to committing and signing and going to choose a school that you're going to, you know, play your four years out at. Nah, it's a big deal, man. And Dabo is really sticking to the traditions of the old ways where he's going to sell his culture of the program. And if you don't like it, well, goodbye. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, kind of a his way or the highway type really? of approach to it. And that just, it doesn't work anymore. And that, and it's quite simple. But Dabo's too kind of, at this point, kind of stuck in his ways to want to change. And he'd yeah. rather go down with the sinking ship than try to get it back afloat. And um, you know, and it, like I get the frustration from from a Clemson fan's perspective because we have won two national championships. We have gone to six straight playoff appearances. Well, we have had six straight playoff appearances before. So what happened in the span like that? Like it, it didn't take long for them to fall off. They still were winning ACC titles. But it was very evident, very fast, that they were no longer the way. Really, nice. after that, after the COVID season, during the COVID season, they lost to Notre Dame that season. They got destroyed by Ohio State in the playoffs. And right then, and that was still when Trevor Lawrence was on the team. And it was after even after that. Right, exactly. And it, and it was starting, like, you know, to, to kind of spiral. Um, Definitely. Definitely. And, and so, like, from a Clemson fan's perspective, it's like, what happened? Well, it's very clear what happened and why it's happened, but yeah. it, it's very frustrating to understand that your coach that you, you've come to kind of trust and you've seen how good of a coach he can be is just flat out refusing to use a tool that is like just free, not not free because you still got to pay these guys and whatnot, not the NIL era, but like it's legal. It's legal. Like you can do this with no consequences and everybody else is doing it. And yeah. you just refuse. It's I've I've never seen anything like it, and I understand the frustration from Clemson. Of course, and Debo, like you have to realize, you set the bar of having or being able to be privileged enough to have the expectation from your fan base of winning at a very high level, dog. And um, Tyler from Spartanburg got into Debo so bad he after you know, standing on his ten toes and stating all of his successful uh, statistics at Clemson. He brought up these two very specific words, appreciation and expectation. But like I'm saying, 
you don't earn expectation without proving that you're a successful head coach. And not just by, you know, coming off playing good teams, putting up good fights. Nah, nobody wants a good fight. You want to win. You want to be the one that's coming out on top. And like you're saying, those two national championship teams at Clemson were the best rosters that they've ever seen in Clemson, South Carolina. And when it comes to Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, like you're saying, they're generational quarterbacks who both have a quarterback one spot in the NFL, which that might not seem like a big deal, bro. It's only, come on now. It's only 31 or 32 teams in the NFL. And that QB1 job is very prestigious, man. You think, I mean, you think about a guy like Taj Boyd, who's, I mean, he's a Clemson legend, a guy that was there before both Terrible. of them. They, yeah. they love him out there, and he was an amazing player for them, and he didn't even stick in the NFL, right? So exactly you know how big of a deal it is to even to not only have an NFL quarterback, but have Deshaun, who was one of the best in the NFL, Trevor Lawrence, who, I mean, that's a, that's a gener- generation, as far as amateur football goes, generational prospect. I mean, he was number one quarterback in high school. He was the number one quarterback throughout college. Obviously, I mean, he was a lot of course, but that doesn't constitute, you know, not being the number one quarterback going through your college career. And he was, he was always the top guy in the country. He was, I mean, every year he was considered the number one pick, and then he went out and did it. It's one, it's one thing to be considered going into high school. It's one thing, or going into yeah. college, one thing to become out of it. Still yeah, like, Let's get real. We just saw Arch Manning, who's a legacy to the Mannings, go to Texas. But when Trevor was in high school at Cartersville, they were saying that he was the next Peyton Manning for all four years. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, exactly. A clear cut number one player in the country. Exactly. And now that Dabo doesn't have that, and, and the thing he also had around Trevor Lawrence was amazing playmakers. He hey. doesn't have any of those guys anymore, but he hasn't gone out to replace them. That's yes. why he doesn't have those guys. He'd rather, yeah. to your point, he'd rather build his roster the old-fashioned way and keep these guys for three, four years, which is, and I respect that. I have an immense amount of respect for wanting to do things the old way, wanting to do things what feels morally right to you. Um, but at some point, you have to understand if you want to continue to be successful, you have to be able to adapt. It's not necessarily changing on your morals. There are still ways to do things morally right while yeah. still being able to adapt and be, you, you know, and stay stay ahead, stay up with the times, you know, and, and stay on top. Yeah, like he hasn't done that. Definitely, like Clemson was known as the team of the ACC uh, for really like what the past six years, like we're saying, maybe even longer than that. Uh, exactly. After Florida State won the national title with Jameis, it was really like Clemson's conference from there on out. But the thing I wanted to hit on, when you bring in a generational quarterback in a recruiting class, I hope Dabo realizes kids around the country in the top 300 or in recruiting databases, they want to play with a guy that is going to bring that much attention to the program, not because of looks not because of paper but because his product of ball is at that high of a level that they know we're going to compete against anybody in the country so when you're bringing in top three top five recruiting classes along with the best quarterback in the country devil that is just not a coincidence why all those other kids want to come play where you play with you and uh, even dj ukulele which that didn't work out at all in clemson and a lot of people wanted to point the finger at him like he was the one to blame but he said it when he committed to clemson i want to learn from trevor lawrence when i can and even in the game he played during COVID versus Notre Dame, which they lost 
he played exceptionally well. Um, so it's it just like, Devil, come on now. You set the bar. Tyler from Spartanburg, he's saying all this, which I hate to say it like this, but it's the truth. He's saying this out of love for his program, for his team. And me and Zay hint on this before we started the show. Dabo responded in a way where it was like, listen, Tyler, I am Clemson. <laughs> I've built this. <laughs> this is my work and my hard doing. Like uh, these kids come and they bought into the culture that I've built. Um, so, hey, if somebody else wants to offer me a job, I'll take it. And uh, then we can just leave Clemson where it is and whatever they pick up next. That's what you can enjoy. But the appreciation and ex expectation thing, bro, like that will you didn't have to necessarily go there because you are somebody of rank and you are the head coach. You are the face of the program every day of the week. And Tyler, just a diehard fan trying to get some info. I know he went very personal when it comes to his comments, but hey, dog, you got to understand the expectation for winning is a privilege, man. I want to hit on so to, to look at it from Dabo's side, you talked about he wasn't really personal. From Dabo's side, I also get it. And I'm not going to leave like that. I'm, I will go ahead and put it out there. Anybody who really knows me personally knows I'm not the biggest fan of Dabo. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the way he runs his program. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying I don't personally like it. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to run the program. It's just not like a piece, like whatever. Who cares? who cares what I think? Like, it doesn't really matter. It's my personal opinion. And um, Davo, he he went out, you know, and in fact of the matter, like we're 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 arguing for Tyler's side and saying like everything Tyler said is true, and that's why you know we can kind of see his side. While it was kind of disrespectful to the fan base, everything Dabo said was true too. Clemson hadn't really been sniffing any national titles for thirty years since before Dabo came along, and. They didn't really look like they were on the way. I mean, he was an interim head coach, and he made the point of, you were probably booing me when I was hired, and most of Clemson did boo him when he was hired. They didn't want to hire him. He was a wide receiver, in, interim wide receiver coach, and they hired him full-time. Like, they didn't want to hire him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get it. I get where he's coming from. I get that he he did win two national championships in a four-year span, and he did have four, four runner-ups in a six-year span while going to the playoffs every, all six of those years. Like, he it's did do that. And that is a huge deal. And I understand where he's coming from because he, he's arguing it from the side of, hold on now, we've had, I, I mean, we were talking earlier that it kind of started during the COVID year, but realistically, we've had two down years. Realistically, two down years. Last year was a down year and we still won the ACC, which is, I mean, that's a big deal. Most places to win your conference, that is a huge deal. Only place it's not a big deal is at schools like Georgia, like Alabama, um, that, that have bigger expectations. But at a school like Clemson before before all that, and even at a school like Georgia before Kirby got there, it was yes. always a big deal to win the conference. Yeah. And, and now we're sitting here, this has been a very bad down year, very un, kind of unprecedented times since Davos taken over, definitely unprecedented times in the last decade of Clemson football. And it's the, and the fans are, are panicked and he's and he feels like he's earned some type of patience, some type of respect from the fan base. And I understand that. And I get where he's coming from. But you can't voice it the way he's voiced it all season. He's, <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't gone about it right way. Understand where he's coming from and I sympathize with him. I get it because I know he's like in his mind, he's not really doing anything wrong. And 
I, I mean, I get that. Um, but there's just a better way to go about it. There's a better way to go about That's it. That's a much better way. And I hate to I hate to compare coaches, but but we got to talk about your guy, Nick Saban. Nick Saban loses to Texas. Do you think that he would be complaining because people expect him to win and expect him to continue to win or to figure out why he's losing and fix it moving forward and not necessarily make the same mistakes in the same year? No, Nick Saban looks in the mirror like, I'm that winner. I do this. And this is what I built. And this is the only way I would want it. Like, if you're not expecting me to win, I must be doing something very wrong. Exactly. And um, like he said, um, which was a very big deal when the NIO and Portal era came into play, Nick Saban was saying, hey, um, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of everything, but yeah. I'm not going to take a step back to lose. Straight up, straight up. Like, I'm going to do like, Just because I don't agree with it doesn't mean I'm not going to do what I have to do to stay ahead of the times. Like, even – and, I mean, you can look at Saban's examples from back in the day, even back in, like, 2013, 2014, when they made all these rule changes to um, help fast-paced offenses. He was a very big proponent against it, but what did he do? He hired Lynn Kiffin, he hired Sarkeesian, he, he brought in offensive gurus yeah, and that, changed yeah. the entire culture of the program. Nick Saban is a defensive guy. Do you think he wanted to, to change the program that was built on blowing teams out offensively? No, like that's it ate him up on the inside. And he um but I mean he he did it, you know what I mean? He he did it for the sake of the program for the for the bigger picture. And the results, it doesn't man. feel like that. It doesn't feel like Davos grasped that. And I don't want to say he never will, but yeah, he wants he, he's off to a bad start thing too. He's <laughs> off to a bad start talking about appreciation. Hey. Hey, because like you, you can tell the fan base to be appreciative all you want to, but at the end of the day, they're the like they do have a sense of entitlement. We are the ones that were we were rooting for this program before you were here. We're going to be rooting for you for this program after you leave. Like no. that's not going to change. I was here before you, and no. that's how that even Tyler from Spartanburg said that I've been rooting for this program for thirty years. You weren't here when you he, he told us straight up you were in Alabama when I when I started rooting for this program. <laughs> You to tell me that on, how to have expectations on the team that I root for every year. I understand that. I, so I Keep understand both. Man. Keeping in the book 50. And like you said, appreciate. It's kind of hard to appreciate 28-7 to Duke, 31-24. <laughs> like, what you want me to appreciate, dog? Like, exactly. 28-20 to Miami and OT. And I'm talking about NC State. 24-17 in NC State. Those are the four losses of this season. And the OT losses, bro, I understand Florida State's a top-four team in the country. And really, y'all had them where right where you wanted them. And the mistakes y'all made to lose the game were just proving that y'all weren't the type of team. Where, there, right? Yeah, y'all not there yet. Y'all not on the level of Florida State to be able to compete and go tit-for-tat with them like that. You have to really play a perfect game when you know the other team is that much better than you. <laughs> Exactly. Home field advantage wasn't enough. And they I mean they almost got like like they're on the verge of getting swept by the Carolina schools. And I think only Carolina school they've been the last two years is Wake Forest. They lost to South Carolina, they lost to uh NC State, they lost to Duke, they might lose to UNC in a couple weeks. I mean, at least defend the Carolinas. They, yeah, of course. I get I get the I get the matter. I, I get the reactions from the from the fan base, but I also get where Dabo's coming from. So, um, and he has to lose that you're a part of the problem. Like, listen, 
It's only one problem. Losing is a problem. If you're a winner, you hate to lose. Straight up. You you have to. You have to. And, and I think the first step for Dabo, too, one big problem that I've had with Dabo throughout this whole thing. Yes, I'll defend him. But one problem I've had is that he hasn't taken any accountability. There is a problem. And he hasn't really admitted it. Like, and, and that's what, like accountability is a big step. You've got to take not necessarily. You don't have to sit here and say, oh, it's all my fault. Like, yada, yada, yada. If you've got too much pride for that, you've got too much pride for that. Whatever. I don't care. But you have to admit there's a problem. And he like he's like, oh, no, we're just going to figure it out. Come on now. You we figured it out for you. Like it's exactly. been figured out. If you go into it, there's not gonna be many transfers around the country that won't have Clemson on their short list if you go into the portal. Exactly. Like, if Clemson is a brand in itself. People want to go play for Clemson. Clemson can still recruit. Like, you know what I mean? But 100%. he doesn't want to do it. He only wants to recruit kids out of high school. But like we're saying, even now the kids out of high school know it's a little deeper than just, hey, I want to go to this, this school to play for this coach because I love you. Know, man. I, I fell in love with the campus. I fell in love with the facilities. Everybody has the best of the best to make you better if you want to go play ball on Sunday. It's all about <laughs> – Dog, I hate to say it's all about really the bigger picture when it comes to winning that national championship now, but it wouldn't be expanded to a 12-team playoff if it wasn't about going to win now. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, um, yeah the weird times out there in Clemson. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes, to see if that will finally adapts or where does, this, where, does it, where does this thing end in this sport? I'm watching this Troy South Alabama game. Yeah, you good. Um, uh, but anyways, night football games, man. Shout out to Thursday night, even the Wednesday and Tuesday night matching. Matching, shout out matching. Shout, shout out to real college football sickos. Are tuned in for sure. Um, on to the next topic. So I think I think we touched on everything about Dabo. Um, 100%. but on to the next topic. Uh. College football playoff rankings came out Tuesday, first one of the 2023 season. Um, I want to go on a little spill real quick, Tone, if you don't mind. Go ahead, dog. Go ahead. Playoff rankings in November. They never have, they never will. There is so much football to play throughout the month of November. You have rivalry game after rivalry game after rivalry game, big conference game after big conference game. You've got upset after upset. There is so like college football is a long season. You play twelve games, and November is the last stretch. There are no bye weeks. There, it is just straight ball. The weather, weather gets cold. Things get weird. There is so much football to play in the month of November, and it is the, what the rankings look like now is not what they're going to look like after conference championship weekend, and that's an important bye week. So. And I just want to get that out there. So many people get upset about where their teams rank in the college football playoff rankings in week 10, week 11. And, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you win, everything else will take care of itself. Just root for your team to win. Don't worry about where they're at in the playoff rankings. Straight up. Pretty good, though. Pretty good. Man. That being said, go ahead. Hey, like like you saying, dog, they don't necessarily matter at all. They could be another AP poll at this point in time of the season. Like, bro, it, when it being a playoff, a 14 playoff, if you have a chance now, you know, like you said, it's as simple as winning out. Don't lose. Um, I mean, you hate to bring it back or go back to the BCS times, but 
hey, don't lose. <laughs> you have a, a better chance of making that playoff, dog. Some people have to depend on others losing, but you don't even want to get that technical and that out of pocket when it comes to the games in front of you for your team. So you got to just stay focused week to week and keep playing football. Exactly, exactly. So um, that being said, one thing you can take from the college football playoff rankings, or rankings coming out week to week is you can kind of gauge what the committee's thinking. Definitely. And kind of maybe predict how they're feeling coming down the home stretch of the season, how maybe they'll vote um, come conference championship weekend. That way, when you do get there, maybe you're not as surprised as you thought you would be. So um, dive into some of what I saw throughout the rankings that made me made me think, um, you, you know, because just, just some observations I saw from the ranking that, that kind of makes me think about what the college football playoff committee is thinking. The first being, you know, obviously they rank um, Ohio State over over number one Georgia, um, and then rank number two or over number two Georgia. I'm sorry, um, and then rank Georgia number two over Michigan, who they put at number three. All of those teams are undefeated. All of those teams have looked relatively like easy or have you know looked relatively good throughout every game. I mean, Ohio State had a couple question marks I mean not question marks but a couple of close games in, in Notre Dame and then you know I, I mean you can call Penn State a close game it wasn't really all that close to Ohio State was the best team on the field that night um and then Georgia of course had that close game against Auburn um Michigan hasn't really had any slip-ups at all but they haven't played anybody worth anything um, so and I wanted to get to that point because I think them ranking Ohio State despite I think Georgia we're just going off the eye test. If we're going off the past two seasons, I think Georgia, um, you know, would be the number one team right now. And that's why they're number one in the AP poll. But yeah. the committee putting Ohio State above Georgia and then Georgia, and then, of course, putting Georgia above Michigan tells me that they value the strength of Ohio State's record yes. a lot. And they, they value strength of schedule a lot because Ohio State, I know Notre Dame did lose to Louisville. I know they have, of course, they've got two losses on the on the, on the the schedule um, and one to Louisville in a game that wasn't relatively close either. Um, and, and you know, we, we can kind of have a tendency to write them off, but that was a big win. That's a tough win in a tough environment, um, you know, and, and it was very gritty. And then the Penn State W at home. Um, so obviously the committee kind of really values their resume, values their resume up to this point. Um, and then that's why they went with them over over Georgia and um, Michigan and even Corrigan, the uh, Boo Corrigan, the college football playoff committee, who kind of mentioned the same thing. Um, but I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out come selection, selection Sunday. Definitely. Um, I will hit on the Ohio State number one ranking. I can't be mad. As a Georgia fan, you can't really be mad that they rank Ohio State over us. Like you're saying, they have the two games where they were big, not big 10 matchups, but they were top 10 matchups when Ohio State played Notre Dame and Penn State. And, hey, call it what you want, but top 10 wins are top 10 wins, dog. We don't have any of those. <laughs> and when it comes to us, Brock Bowers got hurt and don't think they're not holding that against us. Brock Bowers is a, what some people would call the best player in the country. If they're not calling Marv that, if they're not calling Caleb that, if they're not calling whoever their pick is. So, um, can't necessarily be mad. Our best games are ahead of us in these final four weeks of the season. Um, I've been saying it all year that these final really five weeks, starting with the Florida game, are 
our gauntlet to prove if we are really not necessarily untouchable, but sturdy, strong enough, and ready to compete versus any team in the country, dog. Um, so with Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech being left on the the schedule, bro, it's time to really play football now. Um, so I can't be mad at it at all. And Carson Beck, he's really proven himself to be uh, not necessarily a Heisman candidate, but if you're a Georgia fan like me, you I say that if Carson Beck wanted to go grab a Heisman, he could just put up some movie type, you know, road to glory type numbers in these past in these last four weeks of the season and show everybody what he's really talking about. But hey, Beck is doing great. Bobo's offense has translated well over the course of the season. And with Brock Hurt, it gives him a chance to really spread the ball all around the field and um really explore with all of the offensive weapons we have, give them some time because it's been people hurt on the IR. And um, shoot, they're going to see what George is about as the weeks go on. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they value some of the strength of schedule against each other later on in the, um, later on in the, uh, in, in the season. Because one thing I also noticed is they don't seem to be valuing head-to-head matchups as much um, in this playoff ranking. And uh, that's kind of pointed in a couple of different um, examples. Um, one, so Texas is ranked over Alabama, which, you know, of course, Texas has the head-to-head. That seems right, right? But you look at the rank, you look at the records, um, all of those teams are sitting at, I believe, seven and one off the top of my head. Um, and you look at their records, and um, so all the same, they still have Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma. Oklahoma obviously has the head-to-head over Texas, who has the head-to-head over Alabama. So you would think the same record being record being the same since uh, it, even though Oklahoma did just lose to Kansas, it's not like Kansas is the Kansas of old. Like this isn't, you know, your two-win Kansas team, you know, and they, they were playing in Kansas. Like it's college football, road, road losses happen. Um, so you would expect that they really value that head-to-head matchup that they would have you know, Oklahoma over Texas and at least have Oklahoma over Alabama, seeing as Alabama lost to Texas. That's yeah. not the case. They have Texas ranked higher than uh, both of those other schools. Um, so, and, and then if you, you move later on down in the rankings, even LSU, I know the LSU and Missouri don't have the same record, but LSU yeah. did beat Missouri on their home field um, and, and they are ranked below LSU. So, or they are ranked below Missouri and a road win in college football is hard. Like it's hard to come by, especially in conference over a good team like Missouri. So, um, you know, it, it makes me, it makes things interesting on how they're going to value the head to head. Because if you look at all of these different, there's so many with all these out of conference games that have been played, there's so many different scenarios that could play out. For instance, one being say we get to the end of the year and you've got, the Pac-12 champs in um, the it's the Florida State wins out and they're in, um, yeah. and then you've got the Big Big Ten champion, right? So you leave it down to that that last third and final spot. And just a hypothetical, Alabama goes up to Atlanta, does beat UGA, Texas wins out and wins the Big Twelve. Now you've got that third spot coming down to Texas and Alabama. Is the playoff committee going to take Texas, who beat Alabama and Alabama, or are they going to take Alabama, who since losing to Texas, has gone on the road to AM, has beat Ole Miss, who's right now a top 10 team at home, has yeah. beaten uh, Georgia, who would probably be at the numbers at the time if Georgia's undefeated in the SEC championship, the number one or number two team in the country. 
Um, they would have beaten Tennessee, who's a top 20 team. So they have, I mean, at the end of the year, if Alabama were to run the table from this week on, they would have one of the strongest resumes in the country. Who yeah. would they take in that scenario? Because it doesn't point. seem like they're valuing that head to head as much. Yeah, that's a real valid point. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um when like you're saying Ole Miss, I don't know how where where they came in in the rankings, maybe eleven or ten. Number ten. See, and that's 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 why I think so. Ole Miss beat LSU. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like the the Missouri um loss when LSU visited them, it was a pretty good game. It was a shootout, a great, a great game. Um, but like you're saying, I don't necessarily know why they're picking Missouri to be ranked over LSU. But at the same time, it, I guess the eye test of the committee's eyes is all that matters right now. Um, and maybe maybe it's more to do with their record. Like I said, LSU has one loss and Missouri has uh, – or LSU has two losses and Missouri has one. But, I mean, to that point, Missouri's one loss is to LSU. L or, and LSU's two losses are the two top ten teams on the road. Like, Ole Miss was a road game and Florida State was in Orlando, which, I mean, let's be real. That's a road game. Like, that's a road game, big time. Right. So – um, I, I mean, two tar. Why are we punishing? So why are we punishing LSU for for losing two games to two top ten teams? Like that's that that seems unfair. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just I think it's going to be interesting. That's just a couple of observations I've had from from the rankings. Just kind of looking at them, taking a first glance at them. Like I said, they're not really all that important as far as where teams are slotted. There's so much football left to be played. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously have. Washington and Oregon will probably play themselves out of it um, based off them beating each other, uh, you know, down in, hopefully down in, um, where, where is the Pac-12 championship play right now? Is it Vegas? Yeah, Las Vegas. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully out in Vegas, Oregon and Washington will get to meet again because that was a great game. And they'll probably play each other out of it. Michigan and Ohio State will more than likely end up playing each other out of it. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what it comes down to with those spots. I mean, if somebody finishes under, if Washington finishes undefeated out of the Pac-12, and say Ohio State beats Michigan, I think Michigan's done for, especially with all the noise surrounding their name at the moment. Um, but like we're saying, Michigan hasn't really played anybody that's gonna try them well, as far as a competitive game goes. And um, Ohio State with that, when that went over Notre Dame, it was in South Bend. That's a big deal to the committee, um, and. Hey, say what you want. The committee thinks Notre Dame is a good team no matter what. Though. They beat SC and they made Caleb Williams play the worst game he's ever played. Um, that That's a big deal to the committee. So they value that a lot, man. The Louisville L, like Notre Dame really didn't control the game at all during that 60 minutes. But, hey, they, they'll let them live off that, that one loss, man. So they also – they didn't lose to Duke, did they? Notre Dame, they didn't lose the Duke. No, no, they won. They beat Duke. They lost right. to Duke. They That's beat. right. Yeah, so Notre Dame, my bad. Well, I wanted to look up where Notre Dame was. They got Notre Dame at 15th right behind LSU. Okay. Um, okay. And so, then Florida State. Florida State, you can't really argue with Florida State at this point in time. Man, I don't right. think anybody in the ACC should beat them. Um, I did want to, while we're talking about Florida State, I did want to bring up the possibility. I've been eyeing that Florida State-Florida game. We'll talk about it when time gets here. No, Cal, listen, man, Florida could really just go and sneak them with a robbery win and just say, you know what, 
who cares about y'all season? That's it, ruined. Yeah, hey, but see, that's the thing. It would be interesting to see the implications because it's not a it be, it's not a conference loss. So Florida State would still win the ACC. So what is the committee going to say about that? Do they go with yeah. Like Florida State, I mean the ACC doesn't look insanely tough this year. Um, so I don't know how they're I don't know how they're valuing the ACC. I don't know how they're valuing the FSU strength of schedule. They do have the LSU win, which is kind of holding holding up for them. Yeah, um, but time. yeah, so uh, so it'll be interesting. There's a lot of different um, a lot of different uh, scenarios that could play out. Um, true, true. I mean, I'm I'm personally not too big on Jordan Travis. I, I believe if any defense wants to go take take it from him. They they can they can muzzle him out of a game. Now he has the best. <laughs> they ha- he has the best weapons surrounding him like that he's ever had since he's been at Florida State. Man, Keon Coleman is automatic bid to the NFL, and then their defense, especially that D line unit, bro, is very stout, big time, led by what uh, Jared Verse. They're gonna they're gonna be nasty, bro. If Florida goes down, I don't know if they play them in Tallahassee or Gainesville at the moment. That's why I've been on him in this game. Swamp, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, if Florida wants to just get one, just to say, hey, we the guys, I, I'd love to see it, man. But when it comes to the committee, I think that depends. They they might give a Big Ten team, whoever loses between that Michigan-Ohio State game, they might give them a chance. They might give um, whoever wins the Pac-12 a chance. Who knows, man? <laughs> but the SEC championship game is also going to hold big weight, big, big weight. <laughs> The SEC champion will probably get an automatic bid no matter who it is. I think even – and I was listening to – shout-out Josh Pate. I was listening to him talk about um, LSU. Shout-out JP. That's a, he's a real one. No, we don't do many free plugs oh. on this show. We, we free plug Josh Pate. So he, he knows Straight about Shout-out Shout-out. But he and he was talking about it, and like there's so many people saying LSU's playoff chances are done because they have two losses. But once again, November's a long month. Like there's there's no two loss playoff. There's no there's no two loss. Notre Dame's not out of it. To be quite frank with you, Notre Dame's not out of it. They beat um they beat Clemson this weekend. I think they got do they have one more big game? I don't think they have any more big games on Dodger. They might be out. Of it. Well, yeah, but, I mean, Clemson might be their last big game, and the Notre Dame Clemson game was supposed to be Showtime. Showtime going into. I'm ready to talk about that game. That's gonna be a good game. That's yeah, gonna be a good, be a good game. game so it's gonna be a good game, especially yeah. after Tyler from Spartanburg and hit that old line. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no cap. But uh, LSU, yeah, I mean the, the LSU's playoff chances aren't done. They get a W in, in Tuscaloosa this weekend. They're far from done. Um, their problem is though that uh, Ole Miss still still owns the tiebreaker over LSU. So okay. Um, that's, that's going to be interesting. You you know, Alabama, if LSU, I was telling, you know, somebody else, I think Alabama clinches the West with a win. Yeah, Alabama would clinch the West with a win this weekend. But okay. if, LSU, if LSU wins, the West isn't over yet. Alabama can still win the West. LSU can still win the West. Ole Miss will be in the driver's seat to win the West. Um, gotcha, so, gotcha. Uh, so there's still, I mean, none and none of those teams' playoff chances are dashed. Like, none of them. I mean, there's still a chance if Ole Miss wins the SEC, like what are they? They'd have to beat y'all twice. They'd have to. My goodness, they're playing some ball. They win the SEC. <laughs> My goodness, it'd be LSU. Like goodness, Man, I ain't careful and would never let anybody hear the end of that one. My goodness, so we need to see. But um, no, nah, but we and, and uh, that, that, I didn't want to spend too too much time there. But um, I got you. So we were. I mean, we were talking about Michigan earlier, though. You know, we 
saying Michigan could lose. Um, Definitely. And, and if Michigan loses, they're probably out. And uh, you were saying, you know, you mentioned this scandal going around, and I did want to kind of touch on that. Uh, Go ahead, man. So, I mean, pretty, I'm pretty sure most of y'all know, but Michigan's um, under under investigation for possibly sending a scout by the name of Connor Stallion, who I believe is a, a military, some military dude. Professional middleman. Really though, <laughs> they are accused of sending him and other staffers to games, um, to scout the sideline of the other team, um, and you know, kind of steal signals and send them back to whoever, so they can so they can game plan. That's obviously highly illegal. I shouldn't have to tell you why. Um, exactly. But. And it, it's pretty hilarious that these things continue to come out. They, I mean, it's like they, they don't really seem like they tried to hide it. Um, they did it really in broad daylight. There's now pictures of a, a man that looks like Connor Stallion dressed up as a Central Michigan coach standing on the sideline of Central Michigan, Michigan State game. And it looks like he's filming Michigan State sideline, like going to that level's to to one scout Michigan State is crazy work. <laughs> why, why are we? <laughs> what are we doing, man? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's cra- crazy work. Hey, look, the video, and we hate to refer to Twitter, but the video on Twitter. Listen, man, he had on. They want to say it's Ray Ban glasses with the camera within them, and there's um kind of suspicious videos of him ducking his hat down when the camera comes to the sideline, and it's like, bro, who was that? <laughs> Central Michigan is like. Under Armour or Adidas school, and he's got Nike shoes on on the sideline. Like, I'm on you. I'm on you. And it's like, it looks looks pretty. I listen off, man. It looks pretty cut and dry. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I don't see a way out of this for you. Yeah. That being said, that being said, there were legit. So, and I was actually, once again, shout out Pay. I was just listening to a show before, and he was um, kind of giving a rundown. he mentioned that as after that video came out, that Central Michigan video came out, there were some understandably very upset head coaches within the Big Ten. And they actually went to the Big Ten commissioner and had a uh, Zoom call, Teams call, whatever, okay. with, the, uh, with the commissioner. And they want action now. They want action ASAP, right? And they like, they don't want, they're tired of it. They, they don't, they, they want it. Some type of you know reprimands to be handed down to Michigan, yeah. and um, I I have a slight problem with that because and you've got fans out here. They asked the one the uh, playoff committee uh, chair, his name's Boo Corrigan. They asked him, you know, is it having any effect on Michigan in the rankings? And he said straight up, we look at that as an NCAA issue, not a college football playoff committee issue. That's yeah. for them to handle. We are not investigating the matter. We are right. watching football and. That's kind of how I feel about it. If you want to hand down, handing down punishments right now would, for me, be such a disservice to the players on the team that didn't have anything to do with it. You see what I'm saying? You're right. They didn't, I mean, and. The ones who are putting the reps in to be this good. The ones that are doing the work, the ones that have, have actually showed up and and like football bro football anybody that's gone to a football practice before in their lifetime knows football isn't fun 
Dog, like the, the only fun part about football is game days. <laughs> it's fun, but like you get what I'm saying, though. Like the games are the easiest part. You put work in so much, dog. Like you saying, these kids never got a chance to get paid. It would be so crazy if anything about being paid came to light before this NIL era. But these guys, they're I, you hate to say the regular student, but the non-student athletes, they would have things to say about student athletes in the past, but. You don't work a job like that. I mean, yes, they sign up for it. Yes, they're very passionate, highly passionate about every passionate about everything that they do when it comes to their sport. But dog, to be somebody that performs on that high of a level, it consumes so much of your time. Exactly, exactly. And it would be a disservice to those to those athletes that are putting that work in. Straight up. And that have this like it's hard to win a national, it's hard to have an opportunity to win a national championship game, let alone to go do it, let alone to go play in one, let alone to go play in the college football playoffs. And you, you want to take that away from the kids that had nothing to do with it. You see what I'm saying? Don't let the – oftentimes we see too many with the NCAA, the adults in the room ruin it for all the kids playing it. And that's what's happened here. The adults in the room at Michigan, the coaches – have instead of you know wanting to go you know do this with integrity they want to go cheat and it's ruined it for the kids Definitely. and it doesn't have to that you don't have to take away everything from the team Definitely. i get being mad at the coaches and they will get there they will if, if yeah i mean it's not even like a confirmed investigation yet like nothing nothing i do want to say like nothing's confirmed and i'm holding my opinions back until things are confirmed because yeah. The one they did have, they had they had investigators like on Michigan's campus last week, and they didn't find anything. So like, there's there's been nothing confirmed yet, and I do want to hold back complete judgment until until everything's confirmed. But that being said, like, if it's true, Michigan's coaches they'll get they'll get their they'll get their punishments. Things will happen to them. Things will happen to the program. But at least give the kids that committed to the University of Michigan a chance to either save themselves sure or, or to see this thing out. Like, who knows where it's going to go? Who knows what's next? But at least give them the opportunity to see it. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to take that away from them. I respect, I respect that a lot because, it, like you're saying, bro, there's so many reps that go into being a high-level athlete, bro. People want to let it go over their shoulders. It can go in one there and out the other. Oh, sports is no big deal. Football doesn't matter that much. Not to you guys. Yeah, some people actually live this life, and they can't really ever fake it, bro. Like, it's not even all. It's not even all about going to the NFL. Sometimes some of these guys know they're not going to play on Sundays, bro. It's all about winning now and making the most of this college experience that they're having. And they chose to go to Michigan and buy into that culture of a program and not only be there to be a college student, but to get better as a football player and an athlete and do it with the, the guys they call teammates, the guys they call brothers, man. Um, I've heard people on ESPN, on a lot of different talk shows, absolutely tear Michigan down. Now, like these kids are getting the worst rep ever for wearing that that M, that amazing, that amazing, amazing blue. And that's not the program they committed to. And that's not who those players are. Like there's, there's too much. There, there's, everybody's confusing the actions of the coaches with the actions of the team. That's, that's so far from the truth. 
Like, in the video, we saw the Ohio State-Michigan game, or, yeah, the Ohio State-Michigan game when Ohio State checked out of the play and all of the Michigan players looked to the sideline. They looked yeah. at their own sideline. Like, they, they needed to go get their own calls. Like, they weren't just reading the sideline of Ohio State's. And personally, sign stealing does happen often. So, like, I feel like it would just be a – I feel like it would be a ridiculous punishment to the players to yeah. go ahead and hand one out before the end of the season and to hold this against the players. To hold it against the coaches is one thing. And in the future, like I said, they'll get what's coming to them if they did it. But Straight up. Be- and I, like, you, like you hit on before, we talked about the players – when it comes to college football, especially D1, FBS, Power 5 football, you can get film. I'm talking about the most detailed film, every snap from every game without leaving your campus. So when it comes to, quote, unquote, sign stealing, dog, I don't want to call it unnecessary. But at first, people shrugged it off and people said, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And even some people from the past said, well, we're familiar with hearing about coaches and teams trying to do certain things like that but what did it come back to you still have to stop the execution of it bro schematics are technical um when it comes to offense special teams and defense bro there are an ample amount of play calls I'm talking about audibles and um complexities in between just one play so you 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 can't really judge any of the players when it comes to this it's all on the adults man whoever was in charge of running the operation that's it man exactly Straight up. But I will say there have been crazy narratives on ESPN and, and platforms of that of that uh high level saying that, well, maybe Michigan won't even be allowed to play in the playoff. Maybe Michigan won't even be able to do this and that. And it's that is crazy work, bro. That is very detrimental to those kids and all the hard work that they right. put. So yeah. it's like you, you hate you hate to hear stuff like that. You you also you you hate to hear about, you know, scandals and Cheating, like let's be real, bro. Yeah, like that, all the stuff we're saying doesn't make what happened okay, and yeah. we're not excusing it. Well, if it did happen, we're not excusing it. Like yeah, it, it didn't make it okay, and if it did happen, like things should, things will and should happen to the program. Straight but up. our argument here is, don't don't punish the kids for something they didn't really have much feeling in. Definitely keep it keep it under you know a certain scope. That's all I'm gonna say, dog. <laughs> So, um, I mean, I don't have really any more thoughts there. Just want to get that out. I don't know if you if you got anything you wanted to add. No, nah, really. That, that's that's all, dog. I mean, when it comes to my opinion over it, like I'm saying, I'm I'm not with the cheating. I think the film is enough for you to be able to make your game plan, your schemes, uh, execute how you want to play a certain team. But like, the thing is, if you have the best players in a Jim Harbaugh, like, bro, no way. You no way you've needed to do all of this. If you know I'm recruiting these level players, I'm I'm bringing these type of guys in. It's no way that you've actually thought about putting this plan and program together to, you know, consume signs and take it to that high of a level of what you might call game planning. But I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, dog. I don't know if anything has happened when it comes to Jim Harbaugh. Maybe he's not the guy behind all of this. Who knows? <laughs> we're gonna see about that <laughs> but i mean like you're saying dog no matter what we gotta let these kids be able to move freely if if any sanctions come over the program 
please don't just I'm but like somebody has to play for the team. Somebody's gonna somebody's well, gonna have they to will, they out. will. But <laughs> give 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 them the chance to save themselves, I guess is all I'm asking. Give yeah. them the chance to if they want to jump off, if they want to jump off ship, give them a life. Straight up. Straight up. Don't let them drop. It's all nice. Straight up, man. Um all right, so enough on Michigan. I mean, we, you know, just kind of waiting to see, wait and see thing there before we can talk any more about Michigan. Um, move on to some of the game predictions. Uh, so, once again, huge week in college football this weekend. Um, can't wait. Should be some electric matchups. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we got five top, uh, top twenty-five, five, five ranked matchups. Um, Exactly. In, the, uh, in the country this week, right? So um, we're, we're predicting on here, we'll predict six of them. Um, I figured we just go in order of kickoff time. Uh, so we'll start with Clemson. Um, Clemson is hosting Notre Dame. Uh, this is a game, the 12 o'clock kickoff on ABC, 12 o'clock Eastern time. Um, yeah. Notre Dame is three and a half point favorites in this one. Um, I think the line might have moved to three. I'm not 100% positive, but at the time I was taking my notes, it was three and a half. Okay, okay, cool. I mean, it's in Death Valley. Yeah. Um, I think, well, Sam Hartman, you have to have a big game, dog. I don't think Sam Hartman beat Clemson while he was at Wake Forest at all. No, 0 and 4. So come on, dog. You got to go into Clemson and, and have a big game, have a day. But I mean, Clemson, the. I don't want to say the strength of their team is the defense, but it is. I mean, they have some pretty good defensive players. I know they have a cornerback who's supposed to be NFL talent um, and a few defensive linemen and linebackers. So I hope I hope Clemson steps on that field to prove something, uh, to defend their home turf. I think it'll be a better game than most people think. Uh, I really want to pick Clemson, even though Notre Dame's defense is also very, very good. So that, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Notre Dame just in a in a I don't want to call it a slug out but right no game. okay yeah. game. um no and I like that so um personally I'm excited for this one uh, this is kind of I think this is gonna be an old school old old football you know old style matchup very very physical kind of a slug fest um should be if you like that type of football I know it's not for everybody but personally. <laughs> Um, I mean, any type of football is for, for, you know, most of us. So um, it should be a fun game to watch. Uh, you know, each, each the strength of each team is the defense, which is going to be um, – that's always an interesting game to watch because – and neither of these teams have offenses that typically light it on fire. Um, I – to your point, I really wanted to go Clemson in this one. I was, I was kind of back and forth on the fence on this one. I feel like Clemson's going to have a fire lit under them. Coming off the, I think they've lost back to back now, haven't they? Or did was there a game between Miami and NC State? I can't remember. Oh, um, that's that's back to back losses. Back to back. Okay, so um, they, yeah, so coming off back to back L's, uh, you know, they get Notre Dame at home, a chance to kind of rewrite the season. Um, and I was looking at it last night, and um, Clemson. Clemson needs to get it together for to to keep this bowl thing going. You know they they're four and four right now. I don't think the I don't think they will lose out. They shouldn't um, no. or not lose out, but I think they'll get the six wins. Um, but they, they do to end the season. They have Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, 
North Carolina and South Carolina. And the only only game at home is uh, the only game on the road is South Carolina. So they got that going for them. But not a not an easy stretch to end the season. North Carolina's not North Carolina. I've that's a tough matchup for them because they can go up and down the field. They've got speed on the outside. Georgia Tech likes to play. The past couple of years with with Brent Key, they've liked to play ball in October and November. So Georgia Tech, um, we'll Tech. right? And they're coming off a, a W over over North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and then you know, of course, like I said, they've got the Notre Dame game this week. So um, they they're gonna have to. Um, they're going to have to fight and um, it'll be interesting to see if, if they get it going this week or if they just, just kind of roll over. And um, I, it, it was tough for me to pick. I wanted to pick them bad, but I, I, I couldn't do it. Notre Dame has a bit more speed on both sides of the ball, specifically on the offensive side of the ball there. They have much more speed on the offensive side of the ball than Clemson does. And um, I just, I, and I like, I like Sam Parkman more than I like Kate Klubnick. Um, Clemson has Clemson has had a tendency to be loose with the football. Um, specifically, they've had a fumbling problem. You can talk a lot of fumbles up to luck. I'm not gonna lie, but that being said, when it's been a problem that you've had all year and we're nine weeks into the season, is it a pro? Is it luck thing or is it just who you are? Is this the team? Exactly. Is this the team? So, like, there's a chance that the fumble luck changes. There's a chance that, you know, the turnover misfortune for Clemson changes and they do win the turnover margin. But I don't see it happening. Notre Dame forces turnovers with the best of them. We saw that against Caleb Williams. They can can force Caleb Williams to turn the ball over. They can force Gabe Clubman to turn the ball over. So, so, uh, give me Notre Dame on the road. I wouldn't touch the spread. Like I said, three and a half points. I wouldn't touch that, but... uh, I would take uh, Notre Dame on the road there as well. Take Notre Dame as well. Awesome. So on to the next game. Texas hosts Kansas State. So it's going to be a 12 p.m. game on Fox. Uh, probably the big noon kickoff of that, I guess. Um, yeah. uh, Kansas State is four-point dogs in this game. Um, this is a road game for Kansas State, though. So um, essentially, Texas, you know, Texas obviously gets three points. So they're pretty much calling this a one-point game, which is close to pick them. So They've got these two teams kind of evenly matched. Uh, it'd be interesting to I, I think I think the absence of Quinn Ears is having a lot to do with that. Um, yeah. uh, for for me personally, uh, I think this game is going to be. It, there's a there's a lot of weird Big Twelve games this year. If you're not used to watching the Big Twelve, though, they're a little more physical this year than they have been in years past. And I think this is one of those games that's going to be you know kind of one in the trenches. Um, both teams can run the ball uh, very effectively. Texas is going to be going to need to be able to run the ball to win this game uh, with Malik Murphy making his second career start. Um, he didn't look bad against BYU last week, but um, I mean, he didn't necessarily light it on fire. Um, they're going to need to run the ball with, with Brooks to be able to, to help out there to help out that, you know, inexperienced quarterback play. Problem is K-State does have a very good run defense, probably be the best run defense they've faced since uh, they came to Tuscaloosa in week two. Um, and, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that matchup plays out. Um, I do think Kansas State has found something with this freshman quarterback, Avery Johnson. Um, <laughs> I think that's his name, Avery Johnson. Yeah. Avery uh, does. yeah. Um, and they found something with them, but they're they're not really, if you watch Kansas State, like they're not really leaning on him. They still run a two quarterback system. Um, they still have Will Howard. Will Howard handles most of the passing responsibilities. I think I think uh, Johnson throws the ball like five, six times a game. Um, you know, he's mainly more of a running threat. 
And I just I, – I don't see Kansas State having much success offensively against Texas, and I think that's where this game is going to end up being won. Um, so I do personally – I like Texas in this one. Um, I wouldn't take any points in this one either, uh, but I do like Texas to win this one at home. Yeah, I like Texas at home, definitely. Um, Brooks is one of the best backs in the country. Um, when it comes to Malik Murphy, we got to see. He has room for improvement, of course. It's only his second game starting. But um, I've heard he can make plays on his feet. I want to see if – yeah, I want to see if he can run more of a dual-threat type of offense. But at the same time, dog, you got Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and – Really, bro, John Tavion Sanders is a dog. <laughs> Cannot lie to you. Um, so I want to see how he can throw the ball a little bit. I think he'll throw the ball better this game. Uh, like you're saying, that two quarterback system always is tricky, bro. I'm not a I'm not a fan of two quarterback systems. I would I would really hope that one could do it all, but that's college football for you. Hey, you you got to put your best players on the field for what you're scheming out. And uh, Johnson can run. Uh, Will Howard's the vet. He can throw. Um, so we, we're going to see. I'm, I'm going to take Texas, though. I'm going to take Texas. Absolutely. And, and to your point, like, that two-quarterback system can be weird because there's some days it's just it's hard to stop. Like, And we saw that against the, in the Auburn-Georgia game. Uh, you know, they're running Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. And while it was just a lot of gas runs, well, yeah. Georgia had a hard time stopping it for a lot of the game. And if it's working, it could mean trouble for Texas. But I just – I think on the road in Texas, I, I I just – I don't trust Kansas State's offense to to get the job done. Um, so, yeah, that's – and that's why I'm on Texas. So, I agree there. Definitely. A two-quarterback system, it, it definitely can be tricky for defenses um, when it comes to their reads, when it comes to their comfort zones, when it comes to what they typically do. They have to change it up on the fly and in the game. Um, they don't always necessarily have everything to prepare for in practice. Like you, you have to be a player, and that's that's when your true football instincts come to life, especially when you're playing a, a offense that brings two quarterbacks to the table. But with that being said, it could also be tricky for the offense. <laughs> and yeah, like like you, while they rely on one dude, or if they have relied on one dude more than the other, sometimes. You know, the instincts kick in for the wrong dude, or the wrong guy, or the wrong system, and now you got to get it together. Offering <laughs> two quarterback system work against Georgia, they got thrashed by LSU trying to do that same thing. So, Come on now. So there, yeah, it it's very volatile. It works on a week to week basis. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I do think Texas will win that game. Yeah. Um, so on to the next game, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. Really excited for this one. Oklahoma is five-and-a-half-point favorites um, in Stillwater coming off of a tough, tough road loss to, in Kansas, uh, at Kansas. Um, maybe maybe the last bedroom, uh, at least definitely the last one for the foreseeable future uh, with Oklahoma making the move to the SEC. So they um, keep together man the the in-state rivalry means so much though (laughs) they're not on the schedule for next year for sure Um, so so maybe they get a renewed down the line but i don't think within the next four or five years at least though they'll they'll be on the schedule so um so possibly possibly the last bedroom ever which would be not ever i think they'll match up down the line but for for a long time so still water will be stirred to be on fire 
um, there will be a lot of hatred going on still. Yeah. A, a lot of Oklahoma State fans feel like Oklahoma is the reason the rivalry is ending, obviously, because they're the ones that decide to to move. Um, you know, so it's it, there's going to be a lot of hate. So uh, I'll let you I'll let you um, I'll let you you open this one up. Man, wait! I love, I love the Stillwater atmosphere. First off, dog, uh, it's, it's about that orange. Like, I mean, it's a lot of orange teams in the country, but Oklahoma State, they, they, they do got it. like a bolt orange almost. Like it's just electric. Like, I don't know, pops. <laughs> Stillwater, I love that atmosphere. Um, the in-state robbery in Oklahoma is a big deal. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is a playmaker. I will say that um, Brent Venables has been able to put together a pretty solid team for his second year. His defense is no pushover, um, but uh, coming off of this past game, this loss to Kansas, I think they gave up over 200 rushing yards. Uh, Oklahoma State, their running back is quote unquote best back in the country. Come on now. I think he has over a thousand yards going into like this is what week 10, a thousand, like 77 yards. Ollie Gordon the second, I think that's his name. Yeah. He's a playmaker, dog. He's a he's an all-around running back. Um, he's strong, he's fast, uh, he's quick, he's explosive, he, he can accelerate, he can break tackles, dog. So this is this is who you want to see coming off of the first game of this season, though, that lost to South Alabama. Really had me shook, man. And you could have told me that Oklahoma State was gonna lose out. I might believe. <laughs> I, I mean, I hate to say stuff like that, but the fun belt walking into your house and taking the trap over is kind of crazy. Uh, it wasn't close. Come on now, but hey, we we firsthand we respect fun belt ball. Sun belt is that is not any pushover football. They play high level football as well. But That's come on, sweet Georgia State, Georgia Southern. Come on now, hey. Southern nine state, gotta say it, gotta <laughs> say it, man. But I'm telling you, I think that this game will be a very, very intense 60 minute ball game. Um, it's gonna be a lot of big plays made, gashes. Um, oh my goodness, but this this is for a, a big stake in the Big Twelve. Uh, is the Big Twelve at a tie right now at the top? Um, yeah. So, uh. There's a four-way tie in the Big 12 right now between Iowa State, Texas, no. Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. They all have one conference loss. Whoa. And I was gonna, I'll, I'll get into that. I'll get into that in one. Oh, I'll get that's, into that. That's that. I'm gonna let you finish that. Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Oklahoma State. I'm gonna take Oklahoma State, man. I want to see them win this game in Stillwater, like you're saying. It's not gonna be a, it's not gonna be a game for the, who knows, for the foreseeable future. We know that the next time they do see each other, it will be very, very intense. But we're going to leave it all on the field Saturday, and I hope Stillwater can take that last victory. <laughs> so, so you're going uh, with Oklahoma? Yeah, I'm, going, Oklahoma with, State. Oklahoma State. I'm going with Oklahoma State, man. Uh, that running back is nasty, dog. Uh, yes, yes, sir. So – um, I'm really, I'm really excited for this game. I think this game has has like fun written all over it. I think it will be everything that you want in rivalry college football. It'll be exciting. I think the crowd will be on fire. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of high level football played. Um, this isn't. It, it's funny because we're also talking about this in the Texas, uh, Texas, um. Kansas State game. This isn't your your you know high your your same old Big Twelve showdown. You know this isn't your same old bedlam. You know where teams are just going up and down the field and putting up insane amount of points. Like 
this is going to be a physical football game that's won up front. And the more physical team is going to win this game. And I think Oklahoma State is is the more physical team. I think they'll be, to your point, they gave up a ton of rushing yards in Kansas. Um, they, uh, I think Oklahoma State will be able to run the ball effectively. I think they'll be able to con- control the game. I think they'll be able to make a couple more plays defensively to win the game. Um, and so I, I'm taking Oklahoma State to win. Obviously, that would mean they cover because they're underdogs. Um, so I am taking Oklahoma State to also win the game. Um, Oklahoma State, to your point, is a weird squad. They got crushed by South Alabama earlier in the year, but somehow they've written the ship, and now they're ranked 22nd in the college football player ring. That's insane. My goodness. Um, and so what I wanted to get back to is we're talking about the top of the Big 12. It's Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State all tied at the top with one loss. Um if Texas or if Oklahoma State wins this weekend, they have a um, cakewalk to Dallas. So Oklahoma State wins this weekend. They play BYU at home. I think it's at home. And then they play UCF, and I want to say they play Cincinnati. All members, all new members of the Big 12. They have all new members of the Big 12 in the year. Um, and I think those teams have won a combined three games, three Big 12 games this year. Like, they have not had a, a fun welcome. So that's definitely a cakewalk. Maybe UCF challenges them, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, really, really. I mean, in, in college football, like, they could lose any of those games. But as, it's about as easy as it gets if you beat Oklahoma to somehow, some way, get to Dallas and play for this Big 12 championship, despite getting, what, 30 piece by South Alabama early on in the season on your home field. Shut up. Um, so, Shut up. <laughs> it was bad. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be, I, I mean, I think you, you'll you have Oklahoma State. I think the Big 12 championship could take place. I, I think the Big 12 championship picture will probably start to take place this weekend. We have a Texas uh, versus Iowa State game coming up either next weekend or the week after next. Um, right. And that will probably kind of decide the uh, last spot. But, um Assuming all, both of those teams went out, which isn't a safe assumption, but um, assuming the winner of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma wins out, they, they'll be probably in Dallas. So. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that'll be a fun one. I'm excited for that one. Um, yeah. Another, yeah, 100%. Um, another 3.30 kickoff, uh, Georgia, and Georgia's at home versus Mizzou, your boys. Uh okay. Missouri is a 15 and a half point underdog on the road. Um, and personally, I don't think it's enough points. Um, <laughs> I think this is an awful matchup for Mizzou. Um, I know these are your boys, so I'll let you. I'll, I'll, I'll do my spiel first before I, I hand it over to you. I know you probably got something more to say. Um, yeah. So, you know, why? I don't think, you know, this year, I don't think it's any question that UGA is, is lacking, you know, the dominant pass rush that, they, that we've seen from them the past few years. Um, but but that being said, UGA's talent and speed on the back end of this defense is what hasn't gotten enough respect and enough love, specifically that safety duo. Um, yeah. They have, you know, one of the best secondaries in the country. They fly around. And I'm not saying the pass rush is bad, but it's just it's not the Nolan Smith and the Jalen Carters and uh, Jordan Davises that we've seen come from. Exactly, exactly. They used to suffocate. They used to suffocate uh, passing offenses, and they can't really do that up front this year. 
but it doesn't mean they can't stop the pass. And I think that's what people are kind of confusing with this matchup that that could see that's the only way that I, I don't think Missouri's going to have much success running the ball against Georgia. I don't think they're – I mean, they, they've ran the ball effectively a lot. Georgia's a little different. You know what I mean? They've, they've run the ball effectively this season, but Georgia's, Georgia's a little different. And, um, you know, on the other – you look at the other side of the ball, I don't like Missouri's matchup offensively. Um versus or um I don't like uh Missouri's matchup defensively versus Georgia's offense. Carson Beck isn't a scrub. We me and you have talked about that personally the past few weeks. People wrote off Carson Beck really on early in the season, but he's a very good college quarterback. So for 300 plus yards last and three of his last four starts, he absolutely tore Florida apart on Saturday. And I just I just don't think that it's a good matchup. Uh, defensively for Missouri. Missouri's pass defense isn't isn't that good. Um and UGA has has shown like it has actually shown the ability to be able to pass the ball this year. This and, and they showed it again on on Saturday despite not having Brock Bowers. Um so I think I think this could be a, a long day for Missouri. Um, I think Athens will be loud. I think though I think it might it might be one of those games where it's kind of close, you know, through the first couple of quarters, maybe the first quarter, maybe going into halftime. But I think I think Georgia ends up pulling away and winning it convincingly. If it is one of those games, Georgia could very well just go out there and suffocate them from the jump like they did Arkansas and Kentucky last season, and it wouldn't matter. And I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, but I do think UJ wins and covers a, a fifteen and a half point spread. Okay, my dog picking the dogs, man. Hey, like you hit on that pass rush from the past two teams, man. And even going into this season, I was very critical of Carson Beck and Mike Bobo because it's hey, this is Mike Bobo's first year back. He has been with us before. Uh, and this is Carson Beck's first year starting. Coming off of two natties, bro, and the, with the teams that we had, you really have to realize that, bro, that was history. Like the, the type of NFL talent we had on the offensive and defensive side of the ball was absolutely ridiculous. We won two rings. We earned two rings. Um, so I, I put a championship standard on Beck, and I was looking for bad things to say about him, not to tear him down, but just to prograde him. And I can't say anything else bad about him, though. He's checked all the boxes. Um, he's our guy. He's our QB1 and Mike Bobo and him. They have a great offense and great thing going, man. Like you saying, Brock going down, I, I think it gave him a chance to really be able to sling the ball around and spread some more love to more receivers and open the door for weapons to really mature and come to life for, you know, the the finale of this season. If we're going to make a CFP push, we're going to need more guys than just Brock to be able to be productive, be able to be efficient, and be able to be a, a factor. We have, what, two other receivers Outside of Brock, like Brock only had around 500 receiving yards when he went down with his injury. But we have two other receivers. I think Lovett, uh, Rosemary Jack Saint, they both have over 300 yards. But that just shows how well we distribute the ball around the field. Like you're saying, uh, Beck puts up 300 yards almost every game at this point. Um, Missouri, uh, to hint on Missouri, they have big playability. They have big playmakers with Luther Bird and uh, – yeah, definitely. They they have uh, Brady Cook who can throw for 400 yards, 300 plus yards. Um, and Luther Burton isn't the only receiver on that team who's a crazy threat, but he does lead the way with almost a thousand yards. Like you saying, I, I'm definitely picking my dogs to win the game. Um, our defense, I, I want to see how we react when it comes to our pass defense, our pass coverage and our rush. Um, but 
like you're saying, in the past, we've had Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, uh, Jalen Carter, who was an absolute freak on the defensive line. Man. You got game records across the D-line. Game records, man. So, like, yeah, we 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 might not be there yet or on that level of the past, but we're definitely still good and elite enough to be able to muzzle out Missouri, man. I think it would be a good game, especially in the first half. Uh, I think they're going to come out and try to gash us, try. But I don't think they'll be able to run the ball on us either, dog. Um, and I, I really, I really hope to see our corners not necessarily step up because we are, we all know Kamari. He he's locked down these straps. Uh, Lasseter can play ball. He's physical. He likes to tackle. But Bullard and Starks, bro, those are my, those are my favorite guys on the team. If we're being honest, bro, I'm not gonna lie to you. Those boys are complete football players. Bullard can play safety. He can play dog position, which is nickel. He 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 can play slot corner. Um, shoot, it's it's all about really finding our identity on the back end. Just because you know, if we do make it to the football playoffs, if we if we play in the SEC championship, which we plan on doing, we're gonna have to see some of the best receivers and best weapons that you know college football has to offer. And those are the games that you live for as a team that you know has national championship hopes. So let's go ahead and get it started this week. Um, I'm excited to see what we can do. Um. I'm definitely picking the dogs, man. And and another thing to add, uh, Dejon Edwards, he might not be the biggest guy on the field, but my goodness, his impact with the rushing game and even catching the ball out the backfield has been exceptional this year, bro. Nobody, I don't think anybody expected him to be the guy to be the back, to be the RB one. But bro, he he he's holding it down. He can do it. He he's making plays and. Like we're saying, the confidence in Beck has grown tremendous. And Lads came back from injury. Lad is a ball player. <laughs> Lad is a very underrated uh, skill skill player. He can run routes. He can catch ball from level one and level three. Um, I'm just excited to see all the receivers just share the wealth and make plays dog around the field. I think I, I agree. I think Georgia win uh, kind of convincingly there is a path to an upset there for Missouri, but they need a lot of things to go right. And like, a lot. A lot. Those, those things just don't go right against Georgia. You know, they don't go right against schools like that that you know, are, are going to be prepared to play you. Kirby's going to have those boys ready to go. Top top 15 matchup. Georgia's Athens is going to be on fire. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch it play out. But, um, yeah, I feel pretty, pretty comfortable with that pick. Um, so... 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. We have yeah. USC and Washington. Uh, so prime time matchup. Washington is three and a half point favorites in the L.A. Coliseum. I So Tony knows for anybody watching that doesn't know, I won't be able to tune into this one. I'll be at the Alabama LSU game, um, which, I mean, it's pretty good consolation, I guess. But I will be very upset that I can't watch this uh, quarterback matchup. I'll keep you um, updated, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be taking the group chat because that quarterback matchup is going to be um so that's gonna be the one you want to see. So um I think it's gonna be a fun game if you like to see offense. Um I think both of these teams have question marks, you know, across the board on defense. Uh we were talking earlier, you know, Washington's missing some guys on the back end. USC has a plethora of problems across their defense, and we know that. Um, and I think I think it's going to be a game that has fireworks. Um, if you if you love shootouts, love old school Pac-12 ball, this is a game for you. Um, it's going up and down the field, fast pace, no breaks. Um, I like Washington 
as a team um, a little bit more. I like Washington's defense a little bit more, but I don't know. I like Caleb Williams at home. I like him. Like I don't. I, I I don't have any other justification for for this game other than give me the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and with his back against the wall, um, coming off of a couple of a tough stretch of games. Um, but USC still has everything to play for. They can still go to Vegas and play for the Pac-12 championship. They only have one conference loss. They can still go play for everything. They don't do divisions out there anymore. They only take the top two. So um, you know they. They still have a lot to play for, um, and these next two weeks are are everything to play for. Utah already has two conference losses, no, uh, so I think they have two conference losses. Yeah, Oregon just beat them, and um, I want to say they lost earlier this year. Maybe I'm wrong. They um, didn't. They didn't lose to UCLA, so I, it might only be one. Maybe they do only have one. Maybe I'm maybe I'm tripping, but um. Uh, they still either way, they still do have everything to play for. Uh no, they do have two conference losses. So one was to Oregon State. They lost to Oregon State on the road a couple of weeks ago Friday night. I do remember that game. Watch that. Um so so and and to that point, like those those teams are already already elim- like not eliminated, but it's very hard for them to get back into the Pac-12 championship race. It's not hard for USC. USC only has one conference loss to Utah. The Notre Dame game was an out-of-conference loss. So I think USC might scrap. I think this is the type of game that USC wants to play. Um, this is the game USC wants to play in. This is the game they're built to play in. Um and USC is bad at a lot of things. Notre Dame's exploited that. I think Oregon's going to exploit that next week. Utah exploited that. What they're not bad at is what they're going to do on Saturday. Um, you know, playing up and down the field. This is this is what they want to do. Um, and I just I don't think they're a better team than Washington, but it's very hard to beat USC at what they're best at. Um, they're very good at what they can do. Um, and and I think they might show that on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, this is a Lincoln Riley led team. Lincoln Riley is known for big plays. I mean, he has the Reign of Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams. Like he's saying, like Isaiah's saying, this is going to be a game full of big plays, a traditional Pac 12 football game, man. Um, when it comes to Penix, man, Penix is a true gunslinger. I think he has like 24 touchdowns already, bro. Like it's ridiculous. Um, USC, they're out to prove something, man. Um, they feel highly disrespected coming off of the losses that they have lost. And when it comes to their defense, they've heard a earful all season. Um, Alex Grinch is their defensive coordinator, and I'm people have been on the bandwagon for him to be fired like all season long. Uh, I hate to be that harsh on him, but like, come on, bro, just production oriented business, bro. You're giving up a lot of burn, dog, to be a quote unquote playoff. You know, potentially playoff contending team entering the season. Um, I think USC gonna be excited to make big plays. They have playmakers across the field. Um, when it comes to that offense, well, you got a Zach Branch who's a true freshman phenom. Uh, you got a you got a Brendan Rice who's a deep threat. He's a deep ball threat. He still has something to prove when it comes to his uh, ability as a playmaking receiver. Uh, Taj Washington, Washington, who they will tell you is maybe the pound for pound best receiver on their team. They love dude. They love the guy. And a sleeper is Marshawn Lloyd, who is their running back, who really is a physical runner coming out of South Carolina from the transfer portal last season. I, I'm excited to see what the defenses of both teams would do. Like as they said, Washington has like three safeties hurt. Washington also still has a receiver down in Jalen McMillan, who is a NFL caliber receiver. He's tried to come back twice versus Oregon. And uh, I think last week versus Stanford, he tried to come back, but he he left both games early with a tweak, same injury. He, he injured his leg versus Michigan State. 
Um, but hey, Rome, Jalen Polk, they're they're crazy, crazy receivers. Uh, NFL threats, both guys. It's gonna be a really exciting game, man. Uh, Washington on the road going to the Coliseum. With this being the biggest game in the Coliseum all year long, USC is definitely gonna bring their A game. Um, it's just it's real hard for me to pick against Caleb though. I, a lot of people don't necessarily like Caleb because of this new era of NIL approach when it comes to what you're able to do as a Heisman Trophy winner, as somebody who's that good as a college player. But, hey, bro, greatness is greatness, bro. <laughs> I mean, you got it on both sides of the, of the ball when it comes to Washington and SC. Um, dang, bro, like, I really – this is this is a game I really don't even want to pick, but – my goodness, I'm I'm gonna go with SC, bro. Uh, and and really, Zay Zay Zay's pick is kind of sticking with me, dog. Because initially all season, SC was my pick to go. One of my picks to go to the CFP. Um, and hey, we see where that's going. We see where that has you know tilted. But hey, I'm not necessarily like shout out Josh Pate. Yeah, I didn't pick it wrong, you know. The reps fell. They messed it up. <laughs> they they messed it up. up. I can't blame them. But hey, those are y'all. These are y'all's games that y'all play, and mistakes are made. It exactly, it's cool. But y'all do still have football players and five stars all over the field. Go make some plays, SC. I got SC winning. Absolutely, absolutely. It should be. It should be a fun one. I think I'm more excited for that game than I am any other game. Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, like, like we're saying, Penix is gonna have a day. Yeah. <laughs> gonna have. A but Caleb is also is it's gonna be a showdown. I cannot definitely. Um so on to the last game. Uh last game of the uh well on the docket, uh late game, 7 45 p.m. on CBS, Alabama at home in Garden Denny Stadium versus LSU. Um Alabama is three point favorites in this one. Um Tone, I'll let you open up with this one. I got you. Uh so I don't know if it's just me, dog. I mean, people talk about Jaden Daniels, and he's a good football player. He, he's been a great quarterback, and he's played the best football of his life this past season. Uh, Neighbors is an exceptional receiver. That's NFL talent right there. Brian Thomas is also not a scrub. He gets he gets to it, dog. Um, I just don't think they got enough to beat Alabama this year, bro. It's going to be in Tuscaloosa. Bama's mad about the loss from last season. Like we played Georgia played LSU in the SEC championship last year and entering it. Of course, they always try to create buzz. Like, oh yeah, one team, of course, it's gonna be a good game. Nah, bro, we were gonna knock them off no matter what. So I mean, Jaden Daniels, he's gonna try to air the ball out. I'm excited to see what Kool-Aid McKinstry does. I I um I haven't necessarily seen Kool-Aid play a big time receiver. I don't I don't know why I say that. I, I probably have, but when it comes to paying deep attention to it, I want to see what Kool-Aid has for uh, Malik Neighbors or Brian Thomas this weekend. I want to see what uh, true freshman Caleb Downs has. Um and when it comes to our guy, Miro. <laughs> Miro has a lot of hate on his name, dog. Just because of where he plays football at. It's the University of Alabama, dog. It means something to play football there. It, it, it stands for a lot, especially when the best quarterbacks in school history have came before you when it comes to a Tua, even a Jalen Hurts. And the, and the Bryce Young, those are three QB1s in the NFL, man. So Jalen's game is very different. Um. <laughs> <laughs> my dog Jermaine Burton is about to act up on that football field. 
and, and he's gonna be popping it too. And he's going to be popping it. And it's only right, <laughs> hey, it's only cool that Joker smile about football when you're not on the field, bro. Even when <laughs> game, even when you at the game and you're a diehard fan, bro, you can get into it. You can make it personal, bro. That's what really brings you know the joy out of the atmosphere. It really, it really electrifies everything. So. I'm gonna pick Bama at home in T Town. Um, I I have no problem with the University of Alabama as a Georgia fan. Nah, bro, it's all about winning and it's all about being who's in front of us. Of course, we have rivalry games, but this is a game that we have been kind of honored to have because every time we play, every time we match up, or most of the times, it's to play for bigger things than just hey, we beat Bama or hey, we beat Georgia. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm taking Bama. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I also like Alabama in this one. Um, I feel like a lot of media is – I feel like there's a lot of – been a lot of people picking LSU in this one. Um, I've heard I've, I've heard the same thing. It's always been – it's been all the talk about LSU's offense, LSU's offense, and they are very explosive. They have a lot of talent. Um, like you said, Brian Thomas, um, Malik Neighbors, Jalen Daniels. I think – Jalen Daniels, I, I you know me, our freshman year, I was talking about Jaden Daniels back when he was at Arizona State yeah. after the Oregon. Like, you know, we we've been talking about Jaden Daniels. Always player. been always been a very big fan of his. He can absolutely sling it. I'm not taking any way think anything away from their offense. What I haven't heard about is people I, I feel like people are severely underrating Alabama's defense in this matchup. Um the strength of Alabama's defense is a direct like is a direct matchup with the strength of LSU's offense. They they specialize, they they get the ball down the field, but Alabama has a very talented secondary. They've got Kool-Aid McKinstry on the outside who's gonna be lead. Terry on Arnold who's had a great junior year. Um, you know, of course the safety on the back end, Caleb Downs, like you were saying, is probably going to be an all-American uh freshman. Uh so you know they they have a very talented secondary and I think that secondary matches up really well with the LSU um with the LSU's wide receivers. Um I don't think LSU will be Alabama's run defense is really good. I don't think um LSU will be able to run the ball too effectively against Alabama. Um and to to that point, Alabama's defense, I feel like it's been underrated because the metrics don't really I mean, they they're they're very good for Alabama, but there there are some flawed metrics because Alabama has a very at times inept offense. They have a shot play based offense, right? They rely on the big play, they rely on getting the ball, you know, 20 plus yards down the field to move the ball. And while it can be great because it's worked for them, it, it can be great when it works. It can also lead to very long stretches of the game where you just absolutely can't move the football. And Alabama's run into that pretty much every game this year, where yeah. they, if they're not turning the ball over, they're going three and out, and they're going three and out bad. And that wears on the defense, and that's gotten to the Alabama defense. We saw in the Arkansas game, we saw in the Texas A&M game at times, that's gotten when when this offense goes on long stretches um, in the game where they can't move the ball, it's hurt Alabama's defense. And I think that's kind of hurt the metrics, which is, has in turn kind of affected some people's opinion on Alabama's defense, um, you know, as a unit. Uh, but I think Alabama has a really, really good defense, and I think they're going to prove that on Saturday. Um, on the flip side, you know, you look at the Alabama offense versus LSU defense, that's a matchup of bad versus awful. Um, exactly. <laughs> Alabama's offense, like I said, like I just said, they look, I mean, they there are times throughout pretty much every game they played this year where they, I mean they go a quarter or two where they just look completely in that play. They don't have an offensive play they can put the mind. They can't even pick up a first down. Like they do not look like a national championship contender. 
and then they'll hit a 20 yard play or then they'll hit a 70 yard touchdown or you know they'll, they'll string together a couple first downs and get down and, and kick a field goal and um you know and, and while the defense has, has held them and that's how they won football games um but but the good news is for Alabama is LSU's defense is awful. Like they, that's a legitimately bad unit. Of, even good. even we thought their their front seven would be a big strength of their. We knew the secondary coming into the season was going to be thin. They were going to be inexperienced. They were relying on a bunch of transfers, and they've already they've had a ton of injuries um this year as well. So the secondary is what it is. But the front seven has been a huge disappointment for LSU this year. They don't they they're not as good as as they were anticipated coming into the season, and. That's where LSU, Alabama has run into trouble. It's handling pressures in the front seven. And if they can handle LSU's pressures, Alabama, Jalen Milrow specifically, has shown with the Texas A&M game that he can take advantage of bad secondary play. He he threw for 300 yards in that game. I mean, they, they moved the ball up the field, and that's the and, and they I think they almost put up 20, 30 points despite um despite two turnovers, despite all of the sacks, despite not being able to run the ball for the entire first half. Alabama should be able to run the ball in this game, which will open up the passing game. Alabama should also be able to handle uh, LSU's front seven well um, and hopefully keep keep Jalen Miller with a clean pocket. Um, And I just – I do think – I I think Alabama will be able to to win that game. Um, I think – I think Alabama will win and cover at home, to your point. They're mad. um, They're they're mad about the LSU loss last year. you know, another point that I wanted to make is in the Alabama LSU game. Alabama, um, they they moved the ball that much and put up that many points despite having over ten penalties, with I think almost a hundred penalty yards. Like they could not get out of their own way for anything in that game. But when you look at how they played in Tuscaloosa, as far as penalties go, outside of the Texas game, they've gotten much better at home keeping the penalties down. Even against Tennessee, I think they only had two penalties. Um, so. If they keep the penalties down, I, I just don't see I don't see LSU being able to beat them just just given the defense. I think I think the defense will um I think the defenses will be the reason that one team wins and loses this game. And um LSU uh, has a much worse defense than um, than it's been I guess I think definitely man. Uh like you're saying, I was going to hit on the penalties, but you covered it. If they can keep the penalties to a minimum, if they can keep that ball under control, I think with the dual threat ability of Milrow, y'all got it, dog. Bama's going to be able to attack LSU's defense. I know it was a lot of hype around, um, I think his name, Harold, Harold Perkins. Harold, Harold Perkins. Big time, big time prospect, NFL prospect coming into the season. A lot of hype around Perkins' name coming into the year, man. But like, like we realized early on, He's not being played in this true position just because of the weakness and lack of depth in in LSU's defense. So he's not being allowed to really. Like he, yeah. he, he they need him to do other things. Yeah, um, and I think they had another deep defensive tackle. I think his name was Mason Short. He got hurt um, early right. on last year against FSU. He was he was supposed to be a big piece coming in the season, and it, it just hasn't looked as good um, um, as they thought it would on that side of the ball. And I think that's gonna. I think that's really going to hurt them. Um, like I said, Milrow's shown that he can take advantage of bad secondaries when he has time to throw the ball. Um, he hasn't necessarily always had the time to throw the ball, but um, that's not also been a strength of LSU defense was getting after the passer. So, and, uh, and one thing we know Milrow can do is throw that deep ball. And, um... he, he, yeah, he can throw a beautiful deep ball. He can put it where it needs to. Um, on, the other, on the other side of the, of the story, like, 
And I'm not saying like LSU doesn't have a chance to win this game. LSU absolutely has a chance to win this game. They can they can get the big plays. And if it turns out that they can throw the ball effectively on Alabama, which wouldn't be a surprise, or Jaden Jaden Nams can continue to make plays with his legs, things will get really interesting. And um, that's that's a very good possibility. He's a very dynamic playmaker, and that's something that will come into play. But I think they're going to have to rely on him to make too many plays, and I think that's where right. like he he will put the ball. He has a tendency to put the ball on the ground from time to time. Has a tendency mm-hmm. sometimes put the ball in trouble. Um, you know when he gets flustered, when he's trying to do a little too much. And uh, I think that's probably where the difference would be at. And I think Alabama will win this game and cover at home. So, yep, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's that's all we got for y'all guys tonight. Um, you know, so we'll we'll be be back to you um, tonight's Thursday. So uh, we'll upload this for the weekend, um, and then we'll be back to you after the college football football weekend's over. We'll uh, give y'all some initial reactions and have some more content on the way for you. So uh, got a lot more coming. Uh, just stay tuned, and we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Yep. Make sure y'all watch some football this Saturday, this weekend, and even on Sunday, watch some NFL football as well. But we'll be back with some more information, with some initial updates, and just, you know, our perspective on everything that's going on in the CFB world, man. So appreciate that.